0: Institute of World Mission podcast. You're listening to the show for Adventist cross-cultural mission enthusiasts. My name is Alex Ott, and together with the IWM team, we invite you to join us today. This podcast is a production of the Institute of World Mission brought to you with support of the General Conference Missions family of ministries and services. Greetings, friends. Today I'm joined by Pat Gustin. Pat had been a missionary for 23 years in East Asia, primarily serving as a teacher. In those years, Pat learned the Thai language to a very comfortable level of fluency. Later, Pat had led the Institute of World Mission for a number of years. So you can see an obvious connection here with the IWM podcast. Frankly, Pat contributed greatly to the formation of Mission Institute curriculum as we know and experience it today at this time pat is retired on paper i'd say she's continually asked to help train missionaries and global mission pioneers around the world bringing her lifetime of experience and knowledge to adventist cross-cultural missions well let's get on to the interview with pat gustin Pat, welcome to the Institute of the World Mission podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right. So we agreed to discuss a very interesting topic today. And um, let me just uh, straight ask you the first question. Why is it important for missionaries, for expats, Adventist missionaries all across the globe to have cordial, warm relationships with each other? Maybe not just relationships, maybe even real friendships. So why is it important?
1: Well, there's some fairly obvious reasons. Number one, uh, it's pretty lonely if you have no relationships, no friendships of any kind. So just purely for self-preservation and emotional health, I think we all need relationships. Um, During my years as a missionary, I was single for many years which means you don't have a family for support. So relationships are really, really important. Uh, I was single in a large compound. I was single in a very small rural area. So in both of those, though, it doesn't make too much difference. You still need friendships and relationships. We're just not made to live in isolation, even people that are extroverts like I am. You still need relationships. It's just part of the way God created us. We We need support. So I'd say that's that's uh, good, and you, you use the word cordial. <laughs> Obviously, if we can have bad relationships, and cordial. Uh, yeah, so cordial relationships, what I would suggest would be warm and friendly and, and positive relationships, and uh, a bad relationship actually destroys our mental health. So that's really, really bad when you're isolated in a faraway place. You don't have other support, so you want to avoid those. But in addition to that, there's the added feature of people watching. uh, No... They see this. They see a bad relationship, and suddenly it becomes uh, a representation of what it is to be a Christian or what it is to follow God. So it's not just me that's affected by a bad relationship or a good relationship. It's also uh, what people see about my God through this. So I would say that both on the personal level and on the witnessing level, our relationships really make a difference.
0: Thank you. Um, You you. Today, we are talking not just about relationships between missionaries and uh, the local, the host community. We are actually discussing relationships between missionaries. And the premise is that sometimes it's pretty difficult. Now, is that true? Is it is it difficult? And if yes, why? It can be.
1: Okay. <laughs> I've been in situations where there were people I really didn't want to meet when I took my walk around the, the compound. Um people are people and we have some personalities that are going to rub us the wrong way no matter where we are but it is difficult i think for for several reasons number one we're thrown together with people that we really don't have a lot of choice often a mission compound is small and the, the group of missionaries around and you don't have many choices of who will be your friends and so someone who has a personality or a lifestyle very different from yours it becomes it becomes a challenge because where else do you go for friendship so so that makes a different. plus we're around each other all the time. And when you have uh, two people, even if they're in the same family, but certainly if they're not in the same family, just uh, friendship, who are all going through culture shock and who are all going through the, all these adjustments that we have to make or living long-term with culture fatigue, it's it's very difficult to to make the concessions that you need to make for someone who's doing things differently because we all go through culture shock at different times and in different ways and you're going through it in a way that I think is just totally inappropriate and maybe you're looking at me and so it's really easy plus we live in close proximity you see each other in the office you see each other in the compound you see each other at church so there's this the proximity the the fact that we're together all the time that we have no choice in the matter means that it's it's not easy And especially if it's with someone who just, you wouldn't probably ever be their friend in a different context. Right, so when we're
0: discussing multicultural teams or uh, a group of missionaries being together... A fact of the matter is that uh, many times they are coming from different cultures. So it's a few cultures that are present together. Does that
1: play into the dynamic here? It certainly plays into it. You know, there was a time when a missionary compound, a mission compound... Many of the people came from a similar culture. Maybe they were from Europe or from Australia or from America. Well, that's no longer true. Any, Almost any team is very multicultural, which means uh, that may present some strengths to the team uh, in some ways. But for building long-term relationships, it's more problematic because... The way you build friendships, the the things that people like to do together, the foods they eat, all these things may actually be more likely to create some barriers rather than the automatic. You know, it's um, in, in your own culture you can get together on a Saturday night, and there's certain things people like to do in your culture, mm-hmm. and so everybody kind of likes the same thing. It's not hard, but suddenly you're in a place where uh, one culture likes to do this and this is their favorite food and another culture. So those automatic connecting points may not be there. They're absent, exactly. So that makes it harder. Uh, And language. I mean, sometimes, uh, especially uh, often the the children or the spouse that that stays at home may not know the language well enough to build a, a relationship. And even the ways we we talk to each other, and the ways that we, things that we do to build relationships are different. You know, the way you're friendly with one person is, a, is not acceptable to someone else. You're overbearing, or you're too loud, or you, you, you know, the, all these things, and they're cultural. So in addition to all the other things, culture, the multicultural worlds that we live in, it, it isn't easy. Great. So,
0: Pat, I, I would really hope to, pa- to kind of uh, tap into your experience in a sense that now is probably the most important question. We as listeners, uh, the listeners out there, um, we we definitely feel this burden that you're trying to describe right now. Mm. So that the most important question right now is, uh, how do we go about building relationships uh, with people of different cultures? And take your time, take us take us <laughs> through this. Uh, I, mm. I know you've gone through. Uh, through many experiences in your work?
1: I would say there's probably not one thing, but I can think of two or three very very basic things which aren't rocket science, but they're also not easy. I think, number one, we have to go into every situation, not just working with cross, in a cross-cultural situation, but living around people in a cross. We have to have an open mind. I have to go in as a learner. Uh, maybe I don't want to be a learner. With some, I just want to have someone that I can talk to and they'll understand me and sympathize with me. But I actually have to go into this person and kind of get to know them and who are they because how can I expect them to accept me and my culture if I am not willing to be open to them? And and um, I w- when I was in Chiang Mai at the school initially, uh there were two expat families i lived and we lived a kilometer apart so i didn't see them the other family most of the time so i had to make a decision would i have no friends Mm -hmm. or would i make friends with the teachers and uh they were all strangers to this area they weren't from this area they were imported they were the same culture basically but i had to make a decision would i open myself up to them would i offer them friendship would i invite them to my house for a meal would i do the things that that would probably build a bridge to them or would i just say well there's no people like me and therefore i'm i'm just poor me i'm stuck here all by myself and and those are little decisions that you have to make now the the other expatriate family one of the Persons in the family was not someone I felt really comfortable with. So it's like, do I really want to go there for Sabbath dinner? Because there's always going to be some kind of a, uh, it's going to turn into a, this person was very critical. It's going to turn into this. Well, do I want to do this? But then I had to decide. These people were the only friends that I had of my same culture. So do I overlook this? Am I willing to live with this? And try to find bridges, try to find a way to talk with them and to be friends with them. Um, When I lived in Singapore, we had people from many cultures Um, and many ages. There were a lot of single women, and they ranged in age. I went out in my 20s, and there were people that were all the way to the 60s. Well, I wasn't in the habit of making friends with 60-year-olds. You know, now I'd be happy to. But but, but <laughs> all those young 60-year-olds. But, you know, the question is, am I willing, if they invite me over for Saturday night, do I just roll my eyes and say, well, this is not going to be fun? Or do I say, okay, let's see if it can be fun? And what I discovered is that when doing this, that gradually this group of people that were very different personalities from very different cultures and very different ages because we all kind of came with the idea that we need friends and we're going to make adjustments and we're going to figure out how to have fun in this situation, I look back with some wonderful memories. We would get together. One thing that we all had in common, we found some commonalities, and that's huge. We all like to take pictures. That was back when everybody took slides. And so if you take pictures, what do you want to do? You want somebody to look at them, right? And we all had this in common. So we would get together on Saturday night and we would all show our slides. and it became it became the bond between all of us that cut across the ages, cut across the cultures we had found a commonality that worked. Huh. And out of that came jokes and I see I meet people today and uh, I posted a, a picture on on Facebook a few months ago and one of my Singapore friends texted me back and commented, something that we used to say all the time. We would critique each other's photos. We'd tell them what was wrong, mm-hmm. and it became a kind of a joke. And so they critiqued my photo just the way they used to. So, so, this, it's, so I think that this was a case of finding something that we all enjoyed doing together and then making it fun and finding a way that it became a bonding thing.
0: So you you mentioned at least a couple of things, uh, to have a mindset of a learner, right., uh, maybe a little bit of humility to say, "You know, if I don't like something about this other person, it doesn't mean that you know I can't be friends with them. Maybe right. maybe I can make some adjustments. Yeah. So this flexibility maybe a little bit. Exactly. Um number three that you said is having some common uh, rituals, you know kind of things that will uh, that that everybody can enjoy finding those things. Finding
1: those. yes. and and for me, I had to try to I had to find new things because I'd never lived in the tropics I'd never been a missionary. so what is there to do? All the things I had done as a person growing up in, in America in the Midwest <laughs> virtually none of them were available to me in Singapore so in a way you're, you're reaching out in, in uh, all areas of your life to find new things but to find things in those new things so that you and the people that you're building a relationship with are growing together you're exploring you're experimenting you're oh one of the things we used to do in singapore is is uh, we all like to eat obviously and and uh, so we would go to different Chinese restaurants and that was something we would do together we'd go out in the evening we'd go to a Chinese restaurant and then we would have races with chopsticks who could eat a bowl of rice fastest with mm-hmm. chopsticks but you know it's it's kind of just saying what is there to do locally and are there people I could do this with I don't have to like them as my best friend my most my most uh person that will be my best friend throughout life some of them actually did become that but it's what can i just what can we find to do together so it's it's branching out being adventuresome i think if we're not a little bit adventuresome we're never going to probably create good relationships because of the fact that the people are different the situation is different uh we 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 have to break out of our comfort zone and i think we also have to be willing to accept situations, personalities people that are maybe very different from what we would normally when I look back, some of the people I made friends with uh, first of all in Singapore and later in Thailand were totally different from anybody that I'd ever known earlier in my life Mm -hmm. and some of them were people I might have just not paid any attention to, but some of it was just so different and and, uh, when I first went I wanted friends. I needed friends. So I was willing to kind of push my boundaries of my comfort level and my interest level. And I did a lot of things initially that I would never have done at home just because there was a group that was doing it. And I thought, well, why not? Uh, Let's try it. And sometimes I discovered groups I really enjoyed being with. And sometimes I discovered groups that I would do once in a while but not very often. So, Pat... The context of
0: our conversation is relationships between expats, between missionaries. Yeah. Now, I think a lot of what you're saying would also apply to building relationships with the with locals, with the locals, with sure. people from the local community. Yeah. Um, so that that is good. Uh, sometimes some of our some of the missionaries are just alone in terms of being expats. There's mm-hmm. nobody around, right. just the local community. So all of this. Uh, would apply as well. However, back to the um, this idea of expats. Uh, sometimes it does happen that uh, one party, um, let's say you, you're trying to build relationships, but it just doesn't work. You know, it just does not work. And a person may feel very, very lonely. It may be that some of our listeners uh, feel like that right now. Um, uh, what would be um, a word of advice in this situation?
1: Well, um, I suppose the closest I came to really having that experience, uh, aside from early on in my first experience, there were a lot of people around in Singapore, even a lot of expats. Uh, But you're new, you're young, you're alone, you're in culture shock, and you can have some really lonely moments. And I think that when that happens... You have to make a decision. Am I going to sit around and nurse my loneliness and uh feel sorry for myself and just really make myself miserable, or am I going to find something to do and sometimes that is we solve that problem by reaching out to other people that we wouldn't normally you know we we think, well, I can't sit in my apartment alone any longer. What can I do so then you have your choices maybe you do something that doesn't involve other people. You just need to get out of yourself. You need to get out of this mood. And so that's one thing you can do. But I think during those times, the other thing we can do is we say, okay, who is there that I could go say hi to? I could go knock on their door and say, do you want to go for a walk or or uh, anything? So can you come out. over? Reach you have to out. reach out. You have to just decide. And when you're in this dark place which we all face sometimes it's it's difficult and when I was in Chiang Mai and when I was the only uh, expat in this in this one situation basically the thing that I think saved me from those dark times because they did come at I can remember when the lights would go off at night because the generator ran from seven to nine and then it was dark and there was no electricity for miles around so it's really dark (laughs) and and I'm all alone and there's nobody to talk to and you can't there's no electronics of anything. And so it, it's really easy. I mean, I cried myself to sleep, and it was it was a, a rough time. But then you just have to decide, number one, why am I doing this? And does God know I'm here? Okay, I know I'm doing this, and God knows I'm here. So tomorrow is a new day. And the Lord helped me to be in a situation where I was both required... I needed to, and he opened the way for me to learn the language, and that was huge. Mm-hmm. Once I learned the language, it, it creates uh, bridges with everybody. And then, w- even when I walked out to the village to buy something at the little village market, I could talk to people. And you're, once you can talk to people, you are never as alone. There's just something about this that, that, that brings you close to people, and with my students. I could, in the dorm, I was the dean of, of the dormitory, the girls' dean. And and once I could talk the language, you know, they would, I can remember at night, on Saturday night, they'd say, teacher, come up, we're going to tell jokes. Mm-hmm. Well... It was hopeless for me because jokes in another culture are not funny. And after they've spent 10 minutes trying to explain it to you, it's just I got to where I just laughed no matter what. But immediately, even though we didn't really communicate yet, I was still learning, but you're not alone. And so there's something about reaching out, learning the language as much as you can, using it even at its very early stages, doing what you can and asking for help, asking questions. As asking people, like if you're, if it's in, as I was, there was no no other expats there, learning about the culture from the people. So I became a, a question asker, you know, what's happening here? Why are people doing this and so forth? And I think that's the way you have to get out of yourself, get away from your. So Pat, let me describe a dilemma okay. that many uh,
0: expats find themselves in. As missionaries, we do need. Other expats, somebody who is not local, you know, just maybe for, right. I don't know, for for homesickness, for whatever, yep. you know, yep. we, we we do need this, but being too much and exclusive, just being a group of expats is also bad. Yeah. Um. So there's there's this dilemma. What, what would you? How would you advise um, us as an audience? Move around those two extremes.
1: Well, I think that the. Well, It's really important that we try to work across all the cultures around. In other words, if we're exclusive and I I just hang out with the other Americans, for instance, that's obviously really bad. And so I have to consciously say, even though I would rather sit around and talk with my American friends who understand my dumb jokes and and my culture and so forth.
0: You're funny jokes for them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they, they think they're funny. I have to make the decision that I will not do that. I will reach out to missionaries of other cultures and try to include them and, and try to create multicultural situations where we're doing things together. And that's a choice, again, because default is to stick with my own.
0: And they, I have, I've seen this so many times, Pat, for example, um, many of our big university campuses, mm-hmm. it's just groups, ethnic groups, people, yeah. socialize
1: yeah. just among yeah. themselves, and that's sad. It, it is sad, and it, it, uh, often there are people then that are left out because they don't really fit into a group maybe there's only maybe they're the only one from their culture and if there's no near culture or something they're kind of left out so so that it, that's really harmful but i think it's it's a loss because one of the rich things about multicultural service cross cultural service is we do grow because we experience, we experience other cultures. We experience the way people think and the way they live and the way they eat, and, and, and their, their rich experience becomes a part of our rich experience. So if we keep ourselves only to our own people, we are really cutting ourselves off from opportunities to, to grow and, and to have a, a broader experience. And... When I think of the experiences, I would have missed out had I stuck only with Americans. It it would have just been such a a different thing. I would have, some things might have been easier. I wouldn't have had to go through some some experiences where you're uncomfortable and you're trying to decide what's the right thing to do in this situation. But the end is so much better. Plus, again, isn't that a model of the kingdom of God? You know? the kingdom of God is not going to have a, a, a section for Americans and a section for Filipinos and a section for Australians. This is part of, we're part of the, the family of God. And, and so in a way, this I think is a part of our mission. We, we have to get out of our tribe because the world is in trouble because of tribalism, nationalism, and so forth. We all tend We're ethnocentric. We live with our own people. That's our comfort zone. And part of my job as a missionary, I really think, is to say that's not God's family. God's family isn't tribal. God's family is we can all be together. We can enjoy each other. We can can celebrate the diversity, and that's a, a statement I heard recently, that we are diverse. And sometimes people do things, and I think that is really weird. Why would people say that or do that? But then hopefully most often God kind of says hey Pat it's you're a little weird too so just deal with it but I think that that celebrating this and enjoying it and learning from it and being enriched by it is is a tremendous opportunity which we lose out on if we separate ourselves now the other end is what do we do when there is nobody and then I think we have to we have to go, we have to keep looking. Uh, I went through a time in, um, both in, in Bangkok, actually, ironically, and in Chiang Mai, where I didn't have any really close friends. And I felt kind of, my kids had left for school, and I felt kind of isolated, even though I had people around and I was busy. I actually went out and I joined a, a women's club. These were just people out in the, in, in the community. They weren't missionaries. They weren't Adventists but it was, it was also a way to enrich my experience and to give me a break mm-hmm. because we, we sometimes need to, to have a little space. Uh, we live so closely together. Sometimes it's just good to, to do something else. So I think sometimes we have to look outside even of our own group and say, maybe I need uh, something else. Mm-hmm.
0: This was Pat Gustin, a longtime missionary as well as one of key figures in Adventist missionary training. With that, we have a question for you. What works for you as you're building cross-cultural friendships? Feel free to contact Pat by writing to her email address. It is g-u-s-t-i-n-p-j-g at gmail.com. Let Pat know what you think. You can also write to me at otta at gc.adventist.org. We will be delighted to hear back from you. Next, a few quick updates. Number one, we have a new website domain. It is iwm.adventist.org. It has changed. Now it's a new address. Please make note of it. The website is now a home to a growing family of learning and support experiences and opportunities that you, friends, can tap into. Check it out, iwm.adventist.org. Number two, we just sent out the Global Connections monthly newsletter this morning. You may have seen it already in your inbox. If not, perhaps it's in your spam folder. Find it there. And if you did not receive it, make sure that you are on our email list. You will absolutely want to be receiving these high-quality newsletters. It's very simple. Just head over to iwmadventist.org forward slash newsletter and fill out a short subscription form if you'd like to be on the receiving end of this email newsletter of ours. Number three, this podcast and its future. It depends on us as a community to bring this podcast in front of other people. A lot of people are not familiar with podcasting as a medium and the convenient way of learning that it is. You as a listener could be of tremendous help. Please take time to show someone this week how all this works, how to have access to our episodes. Number four, here's an important announcement. The IWM webinar is coming up in two weeks. It's on April 25. We will be discussing the values of honor and shame. Most cultures in the world are deeply steeped in honor and shame thinking and worldview. You would not want to miss this webinar. If you'd like to have access live or later on demand, All you need to do is register. Very easy to do. Head over to iwm.adventist.org forward slash webinars. You will see what to do from there. Number five and last, we ask you to pray for the upcoming Mission Institute in Greece. It starts next Monday. A large group of participants will be traveling in the coming days. As for now, my name is Alex Ott. And I'm really looking forward to meeting up with you next week.